Hello and welcome to episode 1021 of The Sleeper in the Bust. It is Tuesday, March 1st. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined this morning by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning, sir. Good morning. How you doing on this wonderful TGFBI Tuesday? The TGFBI Tuesday part's great. We're still not quite at the finish line with the CBA, so, you know, I'm cautiously optimistic there is hope for the first time in a while it isn't just blind optimism and of all people to kind of break the story last night bob freaking nightingale you know once he was starting to say that things were were positive out there everyone thought the direct opposite would soon happen understandably i mean dude you know catches l's left and right and you know he could tell you that it's going to be 85 and sunny and then i'm i'm breaking out the winter coat at that point so uh you know i get it but to his credit a lot of what he said yesterday was starting to come through, and the finish line is at least in sight. So I'm excited about that. Uh, we're talking second baseman today, and we are on a time crunch, so we're going to have to dive right in. But uh, just quick thing on the CBA. You think it gets done today, this week? What's, what's, your, what's your read after last night's big night? I think it gets done very soon, whether it's today or tomorrow. And I think we have baseball starting on time. Uh, which is amazing uh, because I went from being probably one of the most optimistic people in the industry to super, super pessimistic the last few days. I really didn't think it was going to get done. I thought we're going to miss a a month's worth of games. Um, And I was super, uh, super bummed, super pissed. So I do think it gets done. They're so close right now. Um, And, you know, thank, you know, thankfully to the players because they're the ones who've made the concessions. Of course. Um, you know, I kind of feel bad that they they have they've had to kind of make so many concessions, but Those ultimately bootlickers online acting like the, the players are the problem just drive me nuts. I I mean, I think that is just a loud minority of people. I don't know, man. I, I'd like to think that, but whew. every time I see someone run a poll on like like who do you support in this? It's always like 80, 90% support the players. How often have you broken out of the echo chamber that we're in though? And try um, to like look at some other stuff. Cause you know, I, I was in some other threads yesterday and just bootlicker extraordinaire. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there rough. are people out there. I, I said last night on the FD, FWFB live stream, or maybe it was on TGFBI pod. Uh, but I, I said somewhere, like, I think that, Play, uh, fans uh, often have like this allegiance to the team yeah. and not to the players because the players come and go. The team always stays sure. the same. So like I do kind of get it in a way at the same time when you realize these guys are multi-billionaires. Uh, I retweeted something. Someone pointed out like that like I think 13 of the 30 owners inherited their team yeah. from their parent. Um like these aren't these aren't guys who like their a lot of these guys aren't like self-made men that Picked are well by the bootstraps yeah like yeah. And, you know i've used this line a bunch on twitter but i think it is apt these people seem to think that because millionaire and billionaire rhyme that they're close mm-hmm. and they're light years apart but anyway we don't need to get mad about that there's actually positivity here's hoping that things get done we get spring training going and we're ready to roll but we are ready to roll talking second baseman Got some guys that have been covered at other positions. We'll kind of move quickly through them. But let's start at the top. I put two studs. I could have put Trey by himself, but I included our boy, Ozzy Albies, who we see as more of a first-rounder. This is something that uh, that you kind of ran my way uh, a couple weeks ago, and I was like, you know what? Yeah, I can definitely see it. That said, there's still a good bit apart. Trey is the number one 
overall. I don't know. He's not consensus. There's definitely guys that, that can get taken number one, but he's up there uh, very widely regarded both at second and short dual eligible. Uh, and then Albies there mostly with an ADP just outside the first round. He goes at the turn, but that means that he's creeping into the first round round pretty regularly between the two, right? So you're kind of picking at either end to get them. Do you have a preference with your KDS? You know, we just started up uh, TGFBI. Hopefully, if everything progresses the way we we think, you know, a couple of weeks we'll be drafting main events and all that. Are you trying more to get Turner at the front or Albies at the back? Doesn't necessarily mean that that's who you want, but those are where you're going to be with your KDS. If you're at the front, you can try to get Turner. If you're at the back, Albies comes more in play. Where have you been going with your KDS lately? I've been setting it one through fifteen. Um, just, I was w- taking what you get. Yeah, I want an early pick as early as possible. Landed eight in in TGFBI. Didn't love that landing spot, but I hate eight, the, dude. I had eight a lot team. too. It's funny because last year we're talking about eight was where I wanted to be, right? Yes, I, that was that was I, your I could, Turner sweet spot. Yeah, because I could get Turner at eight. Um, I want Turner still, uh, but you need to have one um, to you know maybe one two. two. Yeah, one or two to get him, uh, and I'm fine with Jose Ramirez at two. So. Uh, I think if Turner wasn't second base eligible, I think Ramirez would be my number one overall player just because the lack of the depth at, uh, at third base. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, you just can't go wrong one. with the speed base and average base that Turner uh, kind of gives you to start off a draft. So um, as far as Albies goes, uh, like I said, I, I, I believe he is a first round pick. We're starting to see him push into the first round now. Uh, I think that he's going to be, by the time we get to like main event drafts at the end of March, He's, we're going to see him like kind of squarely in the first round. Uh, oh, you don't think it'll go the other way with starting pitchers getting pushed? I don't know that we're going to see the same starting pitcher push that we've seen in years past. It I, always I, happens. I don't know, man. I, pitching I, I'm not, is I'm not, so deep, and you can't push everything up. You can't push speed up. You can't – and The, the closers will get pushed back closers. down, though. No, the closers are going to get pushed. The, the closer market is a direct response to the instability of the market. And if I mean, and we also have to remember it's it's uh, partly due to the the fact that draft champions are the most commonly drafted exactly. thing right now. Exactly, the like, TGFBI ADP is lower on the closers than like the NFBC draft champions. ADP. And ha- have we done a comparison for the RotoWire uh, OCs that are going to the online I, championships? Because those are fab, for- you know. And so I, I think closers. I don't think we're going to see the the insane closer push once we get to main event territory uh, because things will be stabilized a lot more in the closer's pool. And I think that could push all these down a bit, which, hey, you and I would love that. You might be right. I'm not just I'm not saying you're 100 percent out on that, but I'm, I, I think that we'll see more SPs push up and that could put him back, you know, in more like the 17 to 20 range, which. I'd snap that up because then if you get a late first, yeah. you get Albies on the on the on the kickback, and I'm taking that all day long. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's um, if if Albies does drop back down out of the the first round, I'll, I'll be totally pumped because I'll take him in the first, and then I'll take whatever starting pitcher makes it back to me uh, in the second. So uh, you know, it, it's nice to have the kind of that kind of option because I don't like the back end of the draft. Um, but it's nice to have an option like Albies who's going to be there. Yeah, a- absolutely. So I- I'm really excited about Albies. You know, 30-20 last year, 100-100. to 100. 
And he's like 25. That's the thing. And and it was with a 259 average, yeah. which is well below what he's been doing. He's a career 273. He's peaked at 295. So even if you give a little backslide to some of the numbers, you know, with the 30, 20, 100, 100, it could be offset by 15, 20 points of average. Mm-hmm. Which I would it, take in a heartbeat. Exactly. And I don't think that either the homers, steals, runs, or ribbies are going to crater. I think you can peel them back and say, okay, you know, he really maximized going 686 plate appearances, but I'm not cratering any of those. 25 year old, everything's there. I love Albies. So I, when you when you said that again, we were talking about that offline, then we brought that onto that that very next show, and it was like, I'm in, and I ended up taking him in the first round of a draft already. So uh, I'm on board with that. Let's move into the guys that are kind of second, third round area here. Uh, I call them the the established studs. You know, they they bring a certain gravitas to your team. They're both they're all dual eligible too, by the way, and they all have a speed component, which is why they live in that uh, in those early rounds. Although Baez, by the way, is a little not really third round there. He's more like fourth fifth. But it's uh, Whit Merrifield uh, around pick thirty two, Marcus Semien pick forty four on average, and Javier Baez pick sixty two on average. Merrifield second outfield, and then Semyon and Baez are both second short. With this trio here, um, how often do you find yourself landing on them? You know, if you don't get Turner Albies, are you interested? Or if you don't get Turner Turner Albies, you kick to the next one of the next couple groups that we're going to get into. How do you feel about Merrifield, Semyon, Baez? Yeah, I'm totally interested. I haven't landed on them a ton because I have gotten a good amount of uh, Turner uh, and Albies to start the year, so. Um, I'd really hope that when Merrifield would make it to me in the third round of my TGFBI draft, it was not meant to be. Um, they're not necessarily guys I'm targeting, but they're definitely guys I'd be happy to end up with, uh, especially depending on, you know, kind of my early build. You know, uh, I went pitcher, pitcher in the first round TGFBI, so I would have loved to land one of these guys. Had to go different directions, but yeah, I think they're all hey, super got- talented. And then, and then you doubled up on on closers too. You have a really interesting build, but I think your offense has has survived, or yeah. more than survived. I really think it's kind of thriving there, um, despite the fact that you have four early pitchers. Whit Merrifield, definitely a compiler, right? He's literally played every game the last three seasons, including the the tiny season. But then 158 in 2019 too. So you're talking about four missed games in the last four seasons. Very impressive stuff, but he's going to be 33. I've seen some pushback to him, but I'm looking at the projections and they're still rock solid. You know, low homer output still, you know, you've spiked the 16 in 2019 as a rabbit ball guy, but uh, you know, mostly a low double digit with high twenties, low thirties steals and a good average. And, you know, the runs counts are all around high eighties, low nineties. I think you could push 100 if this Royals team gets better. I kind of like Merrifield. I know he's 33 years old, but you know he's been as as much of an iron horse as we can get. We don't see a lot of guys put up 162. He's done it each of the last two full seasons. I, I, see, I see some upside with Merrifield, but I think people are kind of getting hung up on the 91 WRC plus and thinking that, that there's a problem here. But fantasy-wise, he does what we need with that speed, batting average, runs scored. He kind of hits a lot of the unheralded categories with the runs scored and the batting average, too. And he concerns about wit at 33, age 33, by the way. No, most of the kind of pushback on Merrifield has been, um, you know, he's old and at some point he's just going to fall off. And, like, yes, that absolutely can happen. He's 34, speed can fall off. There's nothing to say. 
but yeah, there's there's nothing in his profile that says it's going to happen. Um, and we know the Royals like to run. Uh, they we know that he's going to hit near the top of that lineup every day because mm-hmm. it's not a packed lineup. Um, and because know. he's good, I think. He, yeah, you know, and he can have a three seventeen OBP, but I think they trust him. He's one of these guys that, even in spite of the numbers, you know, three seventeen OBP is not great. Elsini's Escobar got to lead off forever. Whit Merrifield's better than Elsini's Escobar. I'll they just let, say that. They let Mondesi hit up high with his, you yeah. know, two fifty. He's electric though. They they know that yeah. they can, you know, get um, something better there. But yeah, so you're not. And he's he's a he's a really good defensive player too. Can yeah. play two positions with that team. So mm-hmm. I, I have no fear in drafting Merrifield. I haven't. I don't know that I've gotten him this year, but um, it's usually because I'm hitting starting pitcher in that kind of second third round area where True. he's going. But I, I'm not afraid to draft him at all. I'm not either, and I, I'll be interested to see if he, if I do land on him at any point with Whit Merrifield. Marcus Semien, we've talked a bit about. You know, he's going to Texas. That that park uh, is not great. He had the dominant season, forty-five and fifteen last year. Talk about another iron horse, by the way. He has a buck sixty-two in each of the last two full seasons. One fifty-nine back in twenty eighteen. He did miss a week of the twenty twenty season, but dude goes out there and plays. One of the bigger pushbacks I see when people bring up the Texas issue and i brought up the texas stadium as well and i've even countered myself here and said well you know he did rake in oakland though it's not like toronto made him out of thin air with this uh amazing season that he had last year he went 33 and in 92 with the, the rbis back in 2019 the issue though is the is the complaining he does seem to need or not issue but you know he does need the volume to be there to kind of reach these lofty goals what kind of projection do you see out of Semyon this year? I'm seeing 30-10 with a 260 average and uh, 80-something ribbies, 90-something runs as kind of the general consensus on projections. Do you come out around that? That that kind of makes him go back to Oakland with a big runs cut. He scored 123 that year, and they got him down to like you know low 90s. Uh, or do you see something different than than that from Semyon this year? I could I could see like a 30-15 type of year maybe even more stolen bases um because the rangers do like to run quite a bit and he's gonna hit on top of that lineup i mean he's definitely going to lose some of those runs and rbis being in texas it's just it's it's not a good team even with their additions uh and losing josh young uh for the season's not gonna help either yeah uh maybe maybe they're a team that gets in on like a short-term you know, free agent replacement, you know, mm-hmm. they're going to have young gone for the year and they can bolster third base. Um, I off the top of my head, I can't think of who, who's still available. I, I, I got you. I'll, I'll find somebody while you're, um, looking. you know, but, uh, ultimately, um, yeah, I think probably, it would be, probably be like a VR type more so. Cause Brian's oh, the best. VR, VR I mean, would be an amazing guy. He's not going to help. He's not going to help Simeon, but, but, but we know how great he is when uh, a, a bad team just lets him do his thing. He, Rangers like to run. So, That's what I'm saying. Just yeah. put him in the lineup. Maybe it's another uh, Baltimore-Milwaukee situation. And that's perfect because if and when Young is ready to come back, uh, he can just bounce around. Exactly. Um, so even if they got him on like so. a two-year deal, next year he could just be utility. So that might be the fit for them. Uh, it's not high cost either. You know, They're not going to go for, for Chris Bryant, obviously. That's more of a uh, premium pickup. But yeah, so with Semyon, do you think – that this is a fair price at 44 that's, you know, properly pricing in Texas concern. Yeah, I, I think it is. Um, and I think we saw for a little bit is his price drop 
below that. The, you know, and I think that was a little bit of an overreaction. I think there's a course correction going on. And he's starting to get back into the third round. If he's in the fourth round, I'm likely going to take him. I don't know that I'm going to pull so the trigger too. often in the third, uh, but he's a compiler. And I think we, we often use that as a bad thing. Mm-hmm. And it's not. I mean, any guy who can get 700 plate appearances um, is a guy I want on my team because he's he's just going to rack up stats for you. They may not be like sexy, you know, crazy, you know, upside or anything, but... You know, but with Simeon, it is because the last two years that he, mm-hmm. the two full seasons, they've been excellent. He did compile in 2018, and it was a 15 14 season with 70 ribbies and 89 runs. But even that was, wasn't was a disaster season. If that's kind of the downside you got this year, you know, you wouldn't necessarily be thrilled with that at, at pick 44, but it's it's not crazy. So if Simeon continues to stay healthy, he's not, he, you're not going to crater your team. You know, uh, there's just no real shot of that. Someone on my live stream last night for Friends of Fantasy Benefits, I think it was Tim Canock, uh, said this, that um, he looked at every single one of the home runs that uh, Simeon hit, and it would, they would have gone out of every single ballpark in the American League West. So while those American League West stadiums aren't great necessarily, mm-hmm. um, I don't know that he's going to be as hurt as many people are thinking. So Again, you know, he was in Oakland yeah. do, doing his thing. The worst place to hit in baseball. Yeah, so I I, I really think that uh, I, I don't I don't want to be too worried about him because I I did have some concerns and I have pushed back on myself and and realized you know what I think I think I'm more in on Simeon than I thought I'm I do push you know I do give a little bit uh, of a downgrade to new first contract or first year on a big new contract. Definitely something that I, I I do subscribe to. That's smart system from uh, Rick and Glenn. That's uh, one of their main tenants, and I agree with that one. But I think the price is fair on Simeon. I can definitely get on board with him. And then the other one is Javier Baez. I think he'll be fine in Detroit. I don't think he's going to be special or anything. I think he'll just be fine. And, and with the speed, power, and speed that he has, he's he's a fantasy player. You know, fantasy asset. Are you worried about the park at all in uh, for Comerica with him? No, because Baez has got real manpower. Like I just, yeah. There's certain guys I do worry about park changes or dimension changes within a park, like Mount Castle, and then there are certain guys that just rocket the ball. Bias is one of them. I'm and he not pulls worried. too. He, yeah. he, doesn't, he doesn't live in center or anything, uh, which is the real problem area of Comerica. I think he'll be his his steady self, high twenties, low thirties steals, and you know, uh, upper teens, low twenties. Uh, stolen bases. I think the Tigers are going to let him run enough to continue to be a, a solid fantasy player. And he does go a good bit cheaper there than the other guys uh, at pick 63. I'll, I'll probably end up with Baez more often than I will Merrifield or Simmons. Totally, totally agree. And uh, second and short there too, so you still get the dual eligibility. All right, the core. The core. These are the guys that uh, a lot of folks are going to have uh, as their second baseman, one of these guys here. Uh, it is a deep one. Jose Altuve, Jazz Chisholm Jr., Brandon Lau, Jorge Polanco, Tommy Edmond, Jonathan India, Cattell Marte. First things first, let's just start. Who's your favorite of the group? Uh, I think it's Brandon Lau. Okay, Brandon Lau picked 79 on average. Lost his outfield eligibility from last year. Not too worried about that, just pointing it out. Uh, Not really as a negative, just as eh, it it was a little tack on there that he could play outfield. But as a second base only, he was a homer and RBI short of 4,100. I think people might forget that if you didn't have him on your team because – 
he got off to a pretty dreadful start. He had a sub 700 OPS the first two months of the season, but sneakily still had nine homers. And then the rest of the year just popped off and went seven, six, nine, and eight uh, for homers in the last four months and wound up 39.99 with a 247 average and 97 runs. Talk to us about your love of Brandon Lau at pick 78. You know, I I had him a little bit lower than I do now to start draft season. And talking with Matty Davis, who's a, you know, or Matty Wood, uh, as you people know him on Twitter, um, over at FTN, uh, you know, he did exactly what you drafted him for, and he's going later for some reason. I, I don't understand it. He's completely right. He probably should be going higher than he did last year. He's going almost two rounds lower than he did last year. Um, you know, there's power. He chips in some stolen bases. Uh, there, there's no platoon risk with, with him in Tampa. Like, I know a lot of people are like, oh, he's going to platoon. They can't platoon everywhere or, you know, at every single spot. They don't have they don't have 18 or, you know, uh, 16, you know, offensive players on the roster. So he's going to play every day. He's going to deliver a ton of power, some chip in stolen bases. Um, and, yeah, I mean, 40 home runs from your second baseman is pretty sweet if you got speed taken care of somewhere else. Yeah, absolutely. You know, seven steals. It'll give you a little something, something, but take that pop at second base and enjoy that with Brandon Lau. I like him a good bit too. Um, let's talk Altuve because I find myself landing on him a decent bit. And I think the market's a little sour on him right now. You know, 31 83 last year, five steals, 117 runs. Pretty underrated there. Uh, that's a great runs total. 278 average. I think Altuve is still awesome. And, you know, I think at pick 70, he, uh, Polanco, uh, excuse me, Chisholm, Polanco, Lau, and Altuve go in like a five pick range, by the way, or, or seven pick range from 72 to 79. They're really tight there. Um, Altuve is the lowest of them. And I'm not sure he's not the best of them, but I think he's every bit as good as the other three. And I also feel like I'm not projecting this. It's one of these things where I'll buy the projection, but I'm not, I'm not convinced that he's completely done running either. If he can get healthy again, I think we can get back to double digit steals. Now it's been five, two in the 48 game, uh, 48 games he played of 2020, and then just six for 11 back in 124 games of 2019. But there were health concerns there. Again, I get those health concerns coming in, but if he got back into the low double digits, it wouldn't surprise me. I'll take my high twenties, low thirties homers, a ton of runs, a good average and ribbies. And then if I do get some extra steals, that'd be great. But I don't need them for Altuve to be good. Have you been in or out on Altuve this year? Oh, I'm in because the batting average is is so helpful. Um, and those runs. Uh, yeah, and those runs. Um, you know, I, I think there's just this leftover lingering hate that he no longer steals 30, 40 bases. Yeah. Um, and I think that drives him down. But like you compare him to a lot of the other second basemen, and he's going to give you amazing power, some chip in stolen bases, and usually a great batting average. Last year uh, and in 2020, uh, you know, he got unlucky on balls and plays, had like career worst BABIPs. Um, and he had I, 278 last year, not killing you by any stretch. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I mean, that's like, that's the floor. Like mm -hmm. all the projection systems are like saying that, oh, this is who he is now. He's going to hit 278. Um, I, I don't, I don't buy that. I think that's still the floor. I think, you know, if I were to project him, I'd project him for like 290, uh, knowing that I could probably get 300. 
which he, you know, has done regularly throughout his career. So, uh, yeah, I've got no problem. It kind of just fits whatever, you know, if you need that kind of build uh, at that point. Um, yeah, I, th- I think he's a fine pick, especially considering where he's going. Jorge Polanco broke out last year, uh, had an excellent 33 and 11 season with 98 ribbies, 97 runs, 269 average, just a very nice season across the board. Um, do you buy that breakout? He ended up as the fourth second baseman, another dual eligible guy at second and short. What, what's he do for an encore here at age 28? I think that's something that people might forget too, or not realize is that he's still pretty young, 28 years old, firmly in his prime. Um, is, is he this guy now uh, for Jorge Polanco or was this a career year and, and you're fading it? Where, where do you come out on Polanco? Um, I think this is who he is. Uh, I mean, I think people forget that this is a former top prospect in baseball uh, that had his kind of minor league career uh, derailed because he tested positive for performance enhancing drugs in the minor league. Um, and I mean, this, this, it was a huge breakout season for him. Don't get me wrong in, in 2021 um, where he did have the 33 home runs, stole 11 bases, but the breakout really started in 2019. Um, and I, and I think the, uh, the short season really kind of hamstrung him. Like he yes. just never really Made got going. Cheap too. Yeah. And so like, uh, do I expect him to go 33, 11 again? No, but uh, I mean, I do kind of expect maybe like a, a 27, 28, 10 type season um, with a pretty decent batting average. Uh, I think he's got pretty good contact skills uh, when, you know, when he's looking to do that. So uh, I, I definitely am higher than the market on Polanco. Um, and so uh, he's, he's probably my second favorite out of this tier. Polanco seventh among second baseman right now. Um, I actually have him sixth, some you know, barely higher than the market, but I, I like him and I like him better than Jazz Chisholm, who is going ahead of him. Jazz Chisholm at six, I, I get it, obviously, right? Young player, lots of excitement, power, speed, you know, just, just very raw and can be great. I feel like people are paying for the breakout, you know, like, like, but it has to kind of happen at this price, I feel like. Um, he is 72nd off the board. You say, oh, he went 18-23 last year, 248-53 ribbies, 70 runs. If I get that again, that's fine. That was the 18th second baseman last year. That is not fine. Like, if you're drafting him as as six and, and he gives you that, that's a hit. It's not going to kill your team. You know, we talk about stuff that doesn't kill you. There's 124 games too, so volume was an issue there. He got hurt. Mm-hmm. But are you familiar with the breakdown of his season too? Because I've heard this, uh, you know, talked about a lot. Um, four homers, nine steals, and a 969 OPS in April. Didn't come close to that the rest of the year. All of his OPS is the rest of the year by month. Uh, 705 was the max. They all ranged in the mid 600s to the low 700s. And I can give you the composite here because he got hurt in April, April 28th, and then returned May 16th. From his return on, Jazz Chisholm went 236, 286, 395 with 14 homers and 14 steals in 422 plate appearances. It's too much being made of that. 24-year-old stays healthy and, and pops off? Or are there issues here? Strikes out a lot, doesn't walk much. Bottom line, 24-year-old Jazz Chisholm, is he being overrated? Where do you come out on him? 
Um, I don't know that he's being overrated. He's definitely not being underrated. I've taken him in drafts because he's one of the few guys going outside like the top 50 you can actually get stolen bases from. Um, and I think that's what helps drive up his price a little bit. And obviously people are dreaming on, hey, what happens if he gets 600 plate appearances? You know, can he be a potential 30-30 guy? Um, and I do think that's in the range of outcomes. I, I don't know that it's going to happen considering his contact profile. Um, and I'd really like to see him start walking again. That's something he did in the minor leagues that we haven't seen in the majors yet. Uh, if he falls in a draft, I'm happy to take him. But he's definitely not a guy going into a draft uh, targeting, mostly because it's a volatile profile to begin with. And then you add in, he was injured like four times last year. Like, and I don't know if that it's too early to tell whether that's a you're going to be a habitual issue, mm-hmm. but it's not something I can just ignore. Uh, you know, I think some people are going, oh, like if he's healthy this year and gets a full year, like where's the guarantee that he's healthy? True. Um, so I, I think uh, I mean, I think he's a super talented player. I think especially if you like to punt batting average like I do in standalone leagues, it makes a lot of sense because you can punt that batting average and just take those runs in. Uh, or those uh, those home runs and stolen bases to the bank. Uh, but uh, I also understand like there is some legitimate downside considering his uh, kind of swing and miss. Yeah, I, I've got some concerns about Jazz. I'm not really buying in uh, at this price here. And so, you know, he's not really winding up on any of my teams where I have Jazz Chisholm ranked at 13th at the position. Obviously, no shot I'm getting him when he's sixth off the board at the position. And you know what? I'm willing to be wrong. If the breakout's this year, great. I'll be rooting for it because I like the player a lot. It's one of those where it's just it's just not going to be on my team. I just don't have uh, the, the the stomach for it when I like so much uh, so many other players at second base, including in this group. This group alone gives me enough fruit that I don't need to take Jazz Chisholm, let alone some of the guys I like beyond this. Um, Tommy Edmond. We've seen some pushback on Tommy Edmond from our boy John. Uh, MLB Moving Averages has you know, had his great uh, Counterpoint podcast where he's responded to some of our Tommy Edmonds stuff. He's concerned about him holding that that top top spot in the order there with a 308 OBP. Not completely unfounded. I still like Tommy Edmond though. You know, I think he, he's not a power blank. Uh, he gives you a little something there, which I do like out of a speedster. So he's not just like a, a pure rabbit. 30 steals last year, 11 homers, 56 ribbies, 91 runs. I do like that despite the 308 OBP. I do feel like, though, if he is trending that low, sub 310, there will be some danger. He does have to kind of push it up beyond where he's at there if he wants to maintain at the top of the order. But at 27, I think they still really like Tommy Edmond as somebody who's an everyday player, makes a ton of contact. I'm still pretty keen on on Tommy Edmond for this year. And he's uh, dual eligible as well, second outfield for him. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty – I'm pretty – stoked on Edmund too. I, I definitely, I heard what John said and I've definitely lowered him a little bit because I think I probably had him a little bit too highly. Um, I, you know, I also wonder like, and I'm, I'm actually trying to look this up as we're talking. Um, but like, who's the guy that's going to hit at the top of the batting order. If Edmund doesn't like, I, yeah, I don't know. Require, that the, I don't know. That requ- the, Sorry, sorry. It would require a uh, uh, Bader breakout uh, or Carlson. I think those are the only two real candidates, and I, I, I don't think either is like super likely. I think it's possible. I love Carlson. You know that. I was hyping him all last yeah. year. He's probably the bigger threat, but don't sleep on what Bader did last year. 
with what he was able to do cutting down his strikeouts and if there's some realness to that Bader could be the guy because he has that you know he's got the speed he's got kind of that traditional top of the order profile um and he had a 324 OBP last year so Bader Bader could be the the bigger threat too yeah I mean I guess I could see it I I, I question that a little bit though I'm I mean, just giving you the names like those are the two yeah, I, I'm not super. I'm not super worried about Bader or Carlson, and Carlson's probably the the bigger threat, especially with his pedigree. And they I, I tried think, to hit him towards the top a few times last year; it just never really worked out. I, I'm I'm thinking that you might uh, might be a bit low on Bader. I think I think you're kind of dismissing him out of hand a little bit. And when we get to the out, outfield, maybe we'll have a deeper discussion on him. We, we we've had the deeper discussion. I moved him up. That's right. Um, oh yeah, so, well, we'll have to figure out where you moved him up to because I mean I. I don't know. I still think there's a lot of upside there. Yeah, I think you. I think you're a little high in general, and then high on high on Bader as well. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Went sixteen and nine in four hundred plate appearances. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. But I like Edmund quite a bit still, and I think he'll get his speed. Um, I think his prices come down to a reason. Uh, Eighty-one. I'm fine with that. You know, <laughs> on average. He can definitely range a bit higher, but a min of 67 says he's not really going too much beyond his ADP there as far as as far as pushing too high. So I'm with it on, on Edmund, definitely somebody that we've talked about before. Uh, Jonathan India, reigning rookie of the year, had a hell of a season. Very interesting trajectory from him, you know, because he was really uh, lost a lot of favor in the minors because he simply wasn't good. Um, he didn't really... He was putting up some numbers, but a lot of it was age to level issues where it's like, yeah, you should be beating up on people in A ball and rookie ball at age 21. And the scouts just were not impressed by it. His his outlook was really coming down despite the numbers. You know, you go look at his minor league numbers, you're like, well, why, why was anyone down at it? But you read the reports and it made sense. He wasn't really standing out. He was old for his level and there was concerns. Well, he ends up skipping AAA because he missed the 2020 development year. And it did not bother him. He hit the ground running this year. 21 homers, 12 steals, 269 average, 376 OBP is huge. That's why he's able to maintain that top spot. And since he scored 98 runs, drove in 69, which is very nice for Jonathan India. What's he do for an encore? Are you in on the reigning NL Rookie of the Year this year? Uh, I wasn't at the start of the season, but I I find myself more and more interested in uh end up targeting him because he he's kind of just a complete player like he's no he doesn't have a flashy tool necessarily but um, he doesn't have a dud tool either exactly he contributes in all five categories um i think that like i don't see like a huge ceiling for him but i also do feel like he's got a pretty safe floor Mm -hmm. like i i'm kind of expecting a repeat of last year which is totally great um at that spot like especially if you need you know you want to keep adding on your speed, but you don't want to take a rabbit. Um, I think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, and, uh, I, you know, in this draft I'm in right now, I kind of hoped I was going to get him uh, in the um, in the eighth round. Didn't work out. He, he went, like, right after my pick in the seventh. So, uh, but, yeah, I think he's a guy that I'd definitely end up with in a draft or two the rest of the way. Yeah, I, I could definitely see that. I'm going to just kind of echo all your points there, so I don't need to waste time repeating that on India. I think you're dead on firm floor could just do what he did again last year i think i think he eclipses the 100 runs though i think you know he had 98 last year i think that's that's where he can jump up a little bit because uh well we'll see what happens obviously they might lose castellanos but it depends on where it depends on if he's going to continue to hit like super high up in the lineup um why wouldn't he 
He probably, I mean, he probably will. Yeah. No, he will. Yeah. Yeah. hundred sure. percent. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's not yeah. even a question. Um, a big boost in on base percentage league. Absolutely. Three, uh, 376 OBP. Definitely pushed up and takes a lot of walks. Yeah. That's, that's a great call out there. OBP leagues push Jonathan India up. He's even better there. Double digit walk rates throughout the minors. 11% last year, 376 OBP. Like you said, totally agree there. Let's finish out this tier with Cattell Marte. Now, we know the health is the biggest question, right? That's that's elephant in the room right there. Can he stay healthy? 144 in the uh, breakout season of 2019 when he popped 32 homers, 45 games in the, in the shortened season, but then 90 last year. He was killing it, 14 homers, 139 WRC+, plus, but only 90 games. Can 28-year-old Cattell Marte stay healthy? Is his price down here uh, as second-base outfield at pick 87 – is that low enough to take the risk too and say, you know what, I'll buy this injury concern because the upside is so rich. Uh, where do you come out on Cattell Marte trying to rebound off the injury riddled last year? Yeah. I mean, I've always been a big Marte fan, but I've, I've stayed away from the last few seasons because of the injuries. Um, and uh, I, a lot of people told me like, Hey, you're, uh, you're over inflating it. Uh, I, you know, unfortunately, uh, I think it's become a reoccurring issue. The price has dropped. I mean, he's no longer a top 50 player uh, mm-hmm. in, in terms of ADP. So, like, I think he's a decent gamble to take if you have a really safe kind of floor injury, you know, profile floor um, coming into that spot. So, like, so I don't hate it, but I also he's definitely not going to end up on many of my teams this year, or probably any of my teams just because I, I definitely am, am trying to stay as injury-averse as possible. so um, You have some history there. Yeah, and I mean, I do. I love Marte. I was a big fan yeah. of his when he first came into the league. I, you know, when he was in Seattle, like, I, I and I always thought, like, oh, man, this is a guy who's going to turn into, like, a 20-30 guy. And somehow he turned into a 30-10 guy instead, but... Like, never runs. Like, yeah. Never runs. And, like... like there is that dream that at some now, point I know that he just takes off. But to your um, point with the health, that doesn't yeah. create a, a great outlook for it. In fact, the sprint speed started to come down too, you know, and I always push back on using sprint speed as, as a guide. And he's a great example of that though, too, because he was always like 75th percentile ranging as high as 95th percentile. And yet Marte never really steals 11 is his career high. He had 10 in 2019. It did come down last year. That's what's going to happen when you have hamstring injuries on both hammies. He had a strained hamstring IL stint for each hamstring last year. So now the sprint speed's even down. So people can't even rely on that anymore, even though we do have an over-reliance on that. So that's the reason that I kind of end up out on him. I think he's still treated as a power speed guy, even though you're right, the price is down from previous years, but it's still a top 100 pick for a guy who is, you know, power average and runs. And th- those are important. He can be good there. You know, I'm advocating Jose Altuve and his steals aren't guaranteed. And I don't think that, you know, you should bank on them, but he also has a better health outlook than, mm-hmm. than Gattel Marte. I just don't feel like I end up with him. I'm not anti him. He's easy to root for. I really like him as a player. Um, you know, MLB the show dweeb, you know, I always talk about that and Cattell Marte is great in that game. So I love him there, but in fantasy this year, I just don't think I'm going to have him too many other guys, this whole tier, I would take over him. I listed him last yeah. on purpose. Cause he's the last guy for me in this. Team. And, and I would probably take 
every guy in the next tier over him too. Let's go into that real quick because that's going to be a couple repeats we can gloss over. These are the triple eligibles, and we uh, we, we put Lemayhew and Cronenworth under fake uh, first baseman last week or last time out because. I feel like they're probably best at second base, but maybe not. Uh, LeMayu has first, second, third. Cronenworth has first, second, short. We talked about them. Check out the first base episode for more on them. But they are joined by Chris Taylor at pick 134, second, short, outfield. And Luis Urias, welcome to the triple eligible second, third, and short. I don't know. I don't feel like enough is being made of Luis Urias having triple eligibility. I really like him. I know uh, our boy Willie Adamas is getting a lot of love, and I'm, I'm part of banging that drum. But I think Luis Urias should be right there getting a lot of love. Uh, let's start with Chris Taylor first, though, because LeMahieu and Cronenworth we've already done, and we're on a time limit. Chris Taylor had an amazing year. He's back with the Dodgers. Is he going to be great again? Is he just kind of a great player, or do you have any concerns after uh, after his breakout season? Or, or not really break. It was just another good season. But 2013 uh, with a 254 average, 73 ribbies, 92 runs. How do you feel about Chris Taylor? Um, and I, I want to, I actually want to clarify or correct myself. I, I have, I have uh, Marte ranked above these guys, but I'll okay. end up with them more often this, this tier more often because they're going later. Um, I think Chris Taylor has switched who he is in the fantasy sense. Cause it used to be, man, if this guy could just get to 550 plate appearances, he'd be really good. We just had a hard time seeing where it was going to happen. Now he's got the plate appearances and it's I'm a little... Done. I'm a little worried about like the second half drop off um, in, in batting average. So is it that swing and miss that has you concerned up to 29% strikeout mm-hmm. rate swing and miss has always been kind of prevalent and he's not really outrunning it now with the 254 average. You think there's more pa- potential pain there? Yeah, I think there's definitely some batting average downside that wasn't there before. That being said, like I do think, like 2010 is probably doable for him uh, in a really, really good lineup that he might hit towards the top because um, it's not as good as it usually is and could be worse if Max Muncy's not there. Now I could change if they sign like a Freddie Freeman, um, you know, which might happen today or tomorrow if CBA uh, gets worked out. So um, I do like Taylor. Uh, he I, he used to be the guy that was way underdrafted. Now I think he's appropriately drafted. Yeah, uh, and maybe sometimes even overdrafted. Yep. So I think um, we're a lockstep here. I don't even need to say anything because I'm right. with you 100 percent on on Chris. Like it's fine if I wind up on him, it's okay. But I used to be excited to get him, and now it's like you're paying market value for mm-hmm. for a decent player on a great team, and that helps. All right, let's get to Arias then. Triple eligible, second, third, short. We love that. Broke out last year with 23 homers, 75 ribbies, 77 runs, five steals chipped in there. 249 average, little light, but only a 280 Babbitt. I wonder if he can improve that, though. He has a 284 career, so it's not like he was well below uh, his norms. I'm just wondering if there's any potential upside there uh, because he doesn't strike out a ton. You know, Great swinging strike rate at 9%, strikeout rate at at 20%. I like all that. Is there more from Luis Arias here, or is he just going to kind of be this guy now for a couple of years? I mean, 25, is he just a 20, uh, 20 homer, you know, decent runs, ribbies, chip in steals, mediocre average type guy? Or do you see potential growth from Luis, Luis Arias? And if so, from, from where does it come? Um, I do see some potential growth, but it's in batting average. Uh, it's not in power. It's not in speed. Um, but, I mean, he's a guy who has shown the ability to have pretty close to elite contact skills in the past. 
we we saw him sell out a little bit for power, and so I wonder if the power maybe comes back down as the average goes back up and he becomes more of like a, a 15 homer guy, which I'm fine with considering he's triple eligible. I'd actually rather give back five home runs and hit, have him hit 290. Oh, that'd uh, which be amazing. I, which I think is uh, something that could be in the cards and in his profile. So um, he's a guy that I definitely want to get in drafts, uh, especially for those of you in deeper leagues where the triple eligibility really, really plays up. So, yeah. um, you know, being able to play, pretty much the three positions that are um or uh or two two of the positions that are really shallow yeah right? the second He's, and third yeah and outfield right or is, no, 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 no second third and short so it's second, a short obviously short. deep yeah but the other two aren't and you just never know when you're going to use that flexibility with them and i like that for, mm-hmm. for louis service and i'll tell you what i don't think you're wrong about maybe trading in some of the power for average but i think you could just add the average and keep the 20 homers too that's a that's a plausible path as well i, I think either could happen i think at worst we're going to get a repeat or, or or pretty close to and i'm totally chill with that it wouldn't be the best outcome because he costs more than than where he finished last year he was actually interestingly he was actually 20th that season finished him 20th at second base there um but again, if that's a if that's a, a downside, you know, if that's more of a floor, uh, he's the 16th second baseman off the board. That's fine. But I really like Luis Urias. Uh, definitely somebody that talked about back way back when when we saw him at the Arizona Fall League, and here he is now, uh, really maturing and, and, and playing well. So I definitely like him. All right, the already discussed guys, Max Muncy, Ty France. We also discussed them on the first base. So let's move on to the solid, if unspectacular, group. Um, Ryan McMahon, Brendan Rogers, actually, right. Brendan Rogers should have been in the established studs. He's a beast. Everyone works. Him. <laughs> Colton Wong, Gene Segura, Jonathan Scope, Ed- Eduardo Escobar, Enrique Hernandez. Now you guys know why it was called what it is. Cause those are all like, okay, cool. That's solid, but nobody's doing backflips for any of those guys. Uh, does anybody tickle your fancy here though? Maybe you're doing backflips for one of them. If so, who, who's your favorite of the solid, if unspectacular grouping? Uh, I mean, I'm not doing backflips or any of them. I'm fine with most of them. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I'm not a Rogers guy. Yeah, we don't have to beat uh, that. Yeah, you guys uh, can definitely listen to previous pods for that info. I'm definitely avoiding Eduardo Escobar. Um, I don't love where he ends up in terms of that lineup. Uh, it looks with like the Mets, probably, by the way. Yeah, with the Mets, it looks like he's gonna be hitting seventh or eighth. That park is one of the worst parks to hit in baseball. Uh, and he's not like an extreme power guy to begin with. So I wonder like, like if he ends up being like a 15 Homer guy, like I would not be surprised. Um, and hitting at the bottom of a lineup, like, you know, probably not great runs or RBIs either. It doesn't yeah. steal bases. Um, so Escobar is a guy who I've liked a lot in the past that I, he's completely off my draft board pretty much at this point. Um, I'm uh, agreement I mean, on a lot today here at second base because I, 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 I'm you're spitting on that. I totally agree with you on all that yeah. with Escobar. I like Ryan McMahon because he's dual eligible, um, but I think at this point he's in Colorado, right? Like just in Colorado, Colorado alone is is good. But at this point, I think he is who he is. Like I think we know what he what, what he's going to be. Uh, Colton Wong, I always love Colton Wong. Can he stay healthy? Can he stay on top of that lineup? Those are some questions, but I, I think while on a per plate appearance basis, especially if you're playing in a 10 or a 12 team league, um, he offers, you know, some nice value because the replacement value on the wire is going to be really nice. So um, mm-hmm. Gene Segura is always overlooked. 
Always Love Jean Segura. Um, and I he's mean, my favorite of this group at the price bang for buck. He goes 179 on average as the 22nd second baseman and just, you know, atop that lineup. And it's not an amazing lineup, but it's not bad either. It, it dies out is the problem, but the top, the guys right behind him are going to drive him in all day. Hoskins, Harper, Real Muto. We got no mm-hmm. issues with any of those guys. So they're going to be putting Segura across the plate all day long. I think they might be a front runner for Correa and Story too. Yeah. So yeah. If, if they were to add one of those guys, like he'd be even uh, in a, an even nicer spot. So or, or, or even um, uh, like a Brian, like an, uh, an impact free agent. I think. Yeah, I, I think they. I think they end up line. with a, a big bat. Um, so, uh, yeah, no, Segura is. Um, he, he's one of these. Uh, you like to call them wide awake sleepers. Yes. Where like. People are calling him a sleeper, but there's a lot of really sharp people in the industry who are just looking at him as like, hey, he's kind of free money um, at around pick 170. Yeah, just just a great pickup that you put in. He was 14 and nine last year in 131 games with 76 runs, 58 ribs. You know, he's a double double. I mean, he missed it by one steal last year, but he's he's pretty much a walking double double, which is, uh, you know, double digits and homers and steals. Great batting average. Gonna put put some underrated runs in there too. Love Gene Segura. Um, all right, who else was in this group? Did we? Oh, uh, Scope. Scope. It, we talked you know, about Scope last yeah. episode. We we know he's gonna have a scoping one month, mm-hmm. uh, two months out of the year. Uh, he's gonna be a, a god. Bottom line though, these numbers are gonna be pretty much the same. I think we kind of covered this group here again. We have a, we've had four Brendan Rodgers discussions. Just look at his profile on Fangraphs and find those old podcasts if you really mm-hmm. want our deep dive there. I love him. Uh, Justin does not. Um, so yeah, this this class is well covered here. Let's go to the next class, and, and that's what they're called because they're the guys that are next up. Um, well, maybe not all of them. I included Garrett Hampson just because this was where he fit best. Uh, I don't really have a whole lot of hope for him to be better than he's been, but Josh Rojas, Gavin Lux, Andres Jimenez, Abraham Toro, Hampson, Nick Madrigal, Nico Horner, Haseon Kim, and Nolan Gorman, who was position changed to second base because when they got Nolan Arenado, they're like, well, you're never a third baseman mm-hmm. anymore, which I love, though. They were aggressive, and they know that Gorman is a great prospect. They want to get him up. Second base is his best avenue. Uh, this is an intriguing group, right? This is where you can find your middle uh, or maybe a util that you think can be something bigger. Do you have a favorite here that you're like, this is my guy to really pop this year? I mean, I like a lot of these guys. I'm I a figured. Big, I'm a big Rojas guy. I've not given up on Gavin Lux at all. Same. Um, uh, Andres Jimenez, I think he is super underrated right now. You were now. keen on him last year, right? Yeah, I was. Um, and uh, I, 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 I don't say that to diss, by the way. I'm saying that you're yeah, sticking no, I, with him, though. It was it was a miss, but you look at what he did when he came up at the end of the year. Like he was who we thought he could be. He started to show those those flashes again. So, and we're still talking about a literal 23 year old this year. Yeah. So you were early on him, but there's no reason to fully be out if you liked him last year. I would say, mm-hmm. if anything, you should stay bought in because the price is even cheaper now. Absolutely. Um, Abraham Toro, uh, he's starting to get some helium. He may get overpriced here, but I, I like his situation in Seattle now that Seager's gone. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm always going to fall for Garrett Hampson. It's just, it's just. I mean, I'm going to dream on that forever. Um, Nick Madrigal is actually a guy that I've disliked in the past. I disliked last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like he was super overdrafted last year. Um, and now he's going so late he becomes somewhat interesting. And I think the way that that Cubs lineup is set up, he could bat on top of it. Um, I still don't think he's got like the burner speed that some other people do, 
but yeah. like why not could, just take Luisa Rise? Um, you can, but I think Madrigal's role is completely set, and I don't know that Arise's. That's fair. Arise is triple eligible though, too, so that could be a yeah. difference. Mm -hmm. But to your point, you're you're saying you don't think Madrigal is necessarily a burner, but he is faster than Arise, and he should yes. push for more SBs than Arise. I was just saying the empty power batting average guy. They they're about the same price, by the way. They actually go. Uh, Arise goes right after Madrigal, 293 to 297. Madrigal's going to play every day. There's a real legitimate shot. He hits first or second in that yeah, order. That's fair. Um, he could steal 15 bases with a really, really good average. Um, and I saw him doing some field work. He looks like he's healthy and recovered from the uh, this, uh, season. He's been working this offseason with Nico Horner. Um, so teammates uh, now, by the way. If people yep. forgot the Madrigal trade. He was with the White Sox. He's yep. now with the other Chicago team. So, um, and his, you know, teammates on this list, his teammate, I'm not as interested in Nico Horner. I think, I mean, I think in like a really deep league where you really want plate appearances, he becomes, you know, Horner's useful. probably more arise than Madrigal yes. because Horner doesn't, I don't know that he projects to really have the stolen bases, whereas Madrigal does have mm -hmm. double digit stolen base projections. So maybe that's the better comp is Horner to arise and Madrigal maybe has a, a better upside than, than both of those guys. perhaps. Yeah. Um, and then you and I both have said repeatedly we're not out on Hasian Kim, especially now um, he's cheap as hell. And now that there's a DH in uh, in, in in the National League, I, I fully expect San Diego to be a really active team. They've been linked to a lot of potential trades, um, and I think they could actually open up more spots for him totally uh, to play. Um, and, and he's then triple cool. eligible, by the way. Yeah, exactly. Um, there's power, there's speed in Hasean Kim's profile. Uh, I, I believe that he will adjust. Uh, and I think we started to see it, even though the numbers don't show it. He looked a lot more comfortable to play at the, at the, uh, in the last month and two of the season um, than he did earlier on. Definitely. Uh, and then Gorman, it's just a matter of when he's up. Like, yeah. um, I, think the, I think the player, I, maybe only Seth Beer benefited more from the DH coming to the National League. Uh, than Nolan Gorman because, like you said, he he was just absolutely blocked at first and third because of Arenado and Goldschmidt. Um, I don't know that he's going to play a lot of second. He's still pretty uh, blocked there too, by the way. We just talked about Edmund, right? So it's not even a guarantee. I, I, I think he's going to be the everyday DH um, once he's up, and I think he could be up very early. His bat is ready. Yeah. Um, and if the Cardinals say, "Hey, we we look at this division as poachable." We just added Stephen Matz. Um, there's a talk that they're going to add uh, a big bullpen piece um, at some point and really screw your Gallego shares. Um, so, like, that's I think such a waste of resource. I'm not just saying that because I love Gallegos. Like, that's the last thing that they yep. need. I, but, I, but okay, I, I mean, you can I, never have too much pitching. I know, I know. You I don't disagree with you, but th this is what the the rumor is. So, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I think Gorman. You're could just be reporting. Yeah, I think Gorman could be a really special player. It would not surprise me if Gorman outproduced Bobby Witt Jr. I'm not going to say he will. But it wouldn't surprise you. wouldn't hey, surprise me. Two-level season for Gorman last year. He ripped up double-A with 11 homers and a 288 average, 129 WRC plus for 195 plate appearances. They called him up to triple-A. He came down a bit. It was a 106 WRC plus, but as a 21-year-old holding your own in triple-A with 14 homers in 328 plate appearances, I messed with that. So that's 25 homers over the full season um, in – 119 games mm -hmm. that's really nice so I, i'm with you on the gorman call out and, and, and seven stolen bases like he's not yeah, like zero too. yeah so um and you know seven and for seven at, at that too 
Yep, the batting average is good. He's got good contact skills. It, you know, Triple A, he only struck out 19% of the time. Like, he made that jump and then um, lowered his strikeout rate from Double A AA to Triple A. So, I love, I, I love Gorman a lot. I, the question is, do you want to roster a player that you don't know when he's going to be up? Because he should be up at the end of April, but because of the way the Cardinals are built, they don't need to bring him up. They really don't. And so there is some risk that he just sits in triple a until um, the summer, yeah. until the summer. So I think you have to kind of bake that in. Um, he will be a fab guy when he comes Definitely. up. The question is when. Definitely a great call out and, and a lot of great stuff there on all those guys that you like. I'm with you. Love Gavin Lux, Hasim Kim. We're not quitting him. Josh Rojas. You know, I, I've, I've, tempered it a little bit but I, I still can't fully quit him um you know I, i'm not haven't been as aggressive as i was because there are some some issues there uh but you know he kind of he did fine in this first full season he was a 102 ops plus 11 homers nine steals i think the price is fair so that's the thing it's like it's even if you're not super keen on uh josh rojas with the price it's hard to be like oh this is terrible he's 225 pick Triple eligible, I think it's just fine. But um, I, I have officially quit Garrett Hampson, so you can have that one. Good luck. Uh, the dude just cannot hit, and that's with playing half his games in the best park this game has ever seen. And oh, since 2019, he has a thousand and five plate appearances of a 65 WRC plus. Yeah, and, and he's he's not a good hitter, but he plays in Colorado. I know. Now that he's old, he might he's, he's gonna play favorite. every day. Yeah. yeah. He went from I, like we're not gonna play him in his prime to I mean I what is he like twenty nine or something? Twenty seven. Like oh twenty seven. Not even oh, that so, old yet. Yeah, it just it just feels like he's been around forever. So yeah. Um, and I, listen, I'm somebody who says that the WRC plus penalty for Colorado is a little too too robust uh, for only to be a sixty five, but it's still a six seventy five OPS. So even if you don't want to go off the WRC plus, the speed. bottom line is he can't it's, hit. It's blind it's, speed. Yep. Yeah, it's it's late cheap speed as a kind of. Uh, you don't have a lot of other options, you know, because he could easily steal 25 bases. Yeah, absolutely. All right, the MIs, Cesar Hernandez, Luis Arise, Jeff McNeil, Adam Frazier, David Fletcher, Nick Solak, Josh Harrison, Tony Kemp, Tommy LaStella. A lot of same sameness here. Uh, g- give me a guy or two you like here as we're running up against the clock on, on, these, uh, on these MIs at second base. I guess Cesar Hernandez. I, I knew you were going to say him because I agree. You know, he hit 20 homers last year, and he's going to play in Washington, so – Cool. This is this is the drop off at second base. I don't want any of these guys. Like I really, I don't. Like what, I what, mean, what do you make of what Tony Kemp did last year? Though I know you know age twenty nine is not the best year for a breakout. He was excellent though. He walked more than he struck out. Two seventy nine, three eighty two, four eighteen, eight homers, eight steals in three hundred ninety seven plate appearances. Should play a ton in Oakland. I'm actually kind of okay with with Tony Kemp. Yeah, I I mean he's gonna play every day. I just. I don't think he's particularly good. Um, you know, he'll probably accumulate more than uh, people are expecting just because he might get to like 650 plate appearances in that, Oakland. That, that would be the um, that would be the, the dream. I think he is pretty good. Though. I mean, he, you walk more than you strike out. He's always had great plate skills. I don't know. There might be a little something there. Yeah, I mean, considering where he's going, he's fine. Like, yeah. you know, um, you know, double-digit homers, maybe double-digit stolen bases um that's all i'm saying yeah, yeah. Nothing, nothing crazy yeah he he some, someone on twitter was all like he's he he's the next cedric mullins that's my bold prediction and uh like 
and uh, he said it in a thread with Scott Jenstead and uh, and Vlad Sedler, and I said, how dare you compare Tony Kemp to Cedric Mullins? I think you must have meant like prime Matt Kemp. But what was Cedric Mullins's outlook last year? Right? It was his outlook was beautiful because I saw into the future. Stop memeing for a second. He was that shitty though, right? Like the difference there is is the three years of age. Like you know, Tony Kemp's gonna be thirty. You don't usually see a 30-30 breakout from a thirty-year-old or anything like that, but. In terms of how people viewed Cedric Mullins last year when you were pu- pumping him up, they were like, who's this guy? You know, he's played 48 games in 2020. Like, what are you talking about? So I don't know. I, I don't I don't think Tony Kemp is this year said, but go look at those plates. We usually go sh- crazy for plate skills like this. And he finally put something together. It took till age 29. He's not really had many opportunities. I don't know. I'm kind of on the Tony Kemp train um, a little bit there. Let, let me ask you. Yes. If I told you he had, if I told you who he had eight barrels, would you believe me? If, if that Tony Kemp had eight barrels, mm-hmm. I would probably say that's more than he had. That's what he's had for his career. Oh my god. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> I got him to have a lot of power, though. Yeah. No. Honestly, what I'm looking for, I'll take another eight homers. Give me upwards of 20 steals with the good slash line and a, and a shit ton of runs on that on that team. Because even though that we don't like that team and we think they are going to dismantle it a bit, if he leads off every day, Tony Kemp does, with the, with the skills that he has, he can score 90 runs. I, I think he his uh, homers and stolen base upside is probably something like 7-15, which is fine where he's going. He and like eight. In uh, 397 plate appearances last year, you bastard. I but he, I, I don't believe that is sustainable. I think he got super lucky. Eight barrels over his career, and he had seven percent homer to fly ball rate. Yeah, now nah, you're full of shit. Because because none of his homers are ever going over that fence. He was already on Oakland. Like you're, you're arguing against something that already happened and acting like it didn't happen. It didn't happen. I don't right. believe it happened. I want to. I'm going to go and watch. He hit six of his homers on the road. <laughs> Great. He'll, he's going to play road games this year. Believe it or not. I Wilmer don't believe Flo- he will. <laughs> the chaff. The Wilmer Flores and Mundo Sosa. Ramon Urias, uh, who is related to Luis. Rignet Odor. Dylan Moore. Luis Garcia. Lurie Garcia. Zach McKinstry and John Birdie. Uh, pick two, and that's it. Because th- this is this is the chaff. Uh, and Mundo Sosa, I think, has a full time role to start off the season. Um, so I think that he's uh, somewhat interesting as a guy who can get some plate appearances. Rugno Door probably has a full time role. I don't uh, stop to start Jason. the season. Um, Lurie Garcia definitely has a full time role to start the season. Um, and multi positional eligible. Those Wait, are the guys I, that I think I lied. Ramon Urias and Luis Urias are not related. I'm sorry. Um, anyway, that's ancillary to, to what we're talking about here. I thought they were related. I'm a dumbass. Oh, no, he is. Okay, Baseball Reference doesn't have it right. I had it right. Baseball Reference does it. I'm a genius. Anyway, doesn't really matter. Uh, I can't quit Zach McKinstry. He doesn't really have a playing time role in L.A., but I, I still think there's talent there. If, if if Muncy's out, he could. Exactly. And I do like Ramon Arias a little bit. He This guy sucks. Like, he strikes out way too much. But Dylan Moore, if he gets playing time, like, there's an avenue. There's an avenue. But anyway, my radio spot's calling me right now, so we do okay. have to get going. But... Uh, Third base, next time out, I'll talk to you later. Take it easy.